Welcome to Is This Real Life? A Bravo podcast that relates our favorite shows to our own lives and the world around us. I'm your host, Mandy Slutsker. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. Hope you are having a good week. I'm enjoying myself uh, in Naples, Florida, visiting my dad and stepmom. Unfortunately, this is the coldest it's ever been in the history of Naples, but we're, we're making do. We're making do. I know a lot of you guys uh, went to the Watch What Crappens event this week because a number of people sent me pictures and videos of Luke there, and I was so happy to see him rocking his Minnesota pride with his Purple Rain t-shirt on. When he was at Watch What Happens Live in the audience this past week, he was there with Kyle and Maya, and it seemed like him and Maya were an item. I don't know if other people were picking up on that or if anyone has any intel, uh, but definitely reach out to me if you know more. I would love to see them as a couple. I think that Maya is a great addition to Summer House. There's something about her that is so fun and charismatic, and I really think that she's going to fit in well with the cast. And the reason I think that is because when she posts things on Instagram, all the other cast members comment and like it, (laughs) which was why I thought uh, the cast of the OC didn't like Noella. So we'll see how things uh, turn out with her, but I could see her as a future big Bravo celebrity. Okay, this week was the Vanderpump Rules reunion, and guys, it sucked me back in. I feel like I spent an entire season complaining about how it didn't feel as authentic this time. I wish they would break the fourth wall, maybe bring back old people or get more new people. I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted, but this reunion was it. It was exactly what I wanted. It felt like all of the cast was just like, well, but now we said it especially about Lala and Randall. Just watching every single cast member basically say, yeah, we knew sort of what was going on or we thought you didn't want to know and this is how they got together. It was it was endlessly fascinating. And it was also heartbreaking to watch James and Raquel's breakup. It was just so raw and so real that I was like, why doesn't the show feel real anymore when clearly when we see them on this reunion, it feels very real. I also felt kind of bad for Sheena. She was very upset to be seated on the right side instead of the left side or the left side instead of the right side. It made me realize that in general, I feel like Sheena puts a very high value on the audience perception of her almost more than her real friend's perception. When the cast was upset with her, especially like Raquel and James for getting engaged and announcing the engagement at James and Raquel's engagement weekend, I didn't get the sense that she was that upset that they were upset with her. But when the audience saw it and had kind of an outcry and, you know, was just collectively like, this is not cool. It felt like it hurt her more. I I could be wrong. And the opposite of that is actually Katie. I feel like Katie cares a lot about what her friends think, like her real friends. But the audience, like she doesn't seem to let them 
bother her in the way that I feel like they really seem to get under Sheena's skin. I mean, this week, watching Sheena on social media try to defend everything that Brock has done throughout the season and things that have come out about him, she just, I wish she wouldn't care as much for her own sake. If she is happy, then go ahead, because people are just going to always have opinions, but you can't let it bother you if you're on one of these shows. And I find it immensely relatable that she cares what other people think, because if I was on a show like this, I would definitely pay attention to the audience reaction, and I would feel very hurt that they would question my life choices, and maybe things weren't shown in full, and I, you know, but if you're going to make it on these shows and stay mentally well, I think you have to have an approach like Katie. And her and Schwartz's relationship has been through the ringer, and yet it is still there. And I don't know if that is a good thing or a bad thing, but they seem to be relatively happy. And I think she protects her peace by kind of blocking out what people think about her and say about her. And, you know, I find that very commendable. All right, guys, I do have to give you a few of my thoughts on Salt Lake City. So this past week, Jenny was fired for her racist uh, memes and posts on Facebook. She proceeded to speak out with a black friend next to her uh, doing an Instagram live where she said she was a proud Republican. I it was just kind of a mess. And I'm hoping collectively as Bravo fans, we can kind of push it away and move past her because I really don't want to spend any more of my time or our time as a community thinking about her. I'm glad Bravo did the right thing. And I am kind of curious as to how what this means about future firings and future casting decisions. And are they going to have deeper social media background checks and other things before bringing people onto a cast? I, I don't know. I don't know the answer to it. I did talk to someone who's a producer on these shows, and, and they did say that they felt that Bravo was caught off guard at how upset viewers were about Jenny's posts, given Jenny was the recipient of some prejudice from Mary. But I feel like that just shows how little the Bravo executives seem to understand even the stuff that they put out themselves about, you know, BLM being a a movement, not a moment, right? I, I don't know. Anyway, um, this coming week, I think we finally get to see the true fallout between Lisa Barlow and Meredith Marks. And I am very invested in this because I feel like it's been kind of boiling beneath the surface all of this season and even part of last season, even last reunion. And I think the background of it is that Meredith always viewed Lisa as like a friend of hers while she was in Park City, and she wasn't in Park City that much. But I think Lisa viewed her friendship with Meredith as potentially being something deeper. And then also when Lisa chose Jen Shaw over Meredith Marks this season, which we all saw, and which she said, she said, I chose you to Jen Shaw when they were in the Sprinter van a few weeks back. 
I feel like Meredith, rather than really, t- I mean, she told her that she was hurt, but she didn't go as far as to say, you know, I feel differently about our friendship. If she, So you see it like Meredith is kind of seething when any, in any interaction she has with Lisa, like she's not kind to her. She doesn't act warm towards her and Lisa feels it. But rather than like really getting into it with Meredith, she bottles it all up and it comes out in a hot mic moment where she is just trashing Meredith and saying that she cheats on her husband and all this other stuff. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see the fallout from this. I feel like part of the reason this happened is is not, I mean, the simple answer is the show, but also I think it's because Lisa sees her identity as this, like the show is her identity, being a housewife is an identity for her. And for Meredith, it's like a thing that she does for the hell of it, but it's not all of who she is. And so they weren't seeing eye to eye on how to even be part of this franchise. And Lisa and Jen Shaw, I think, have a very similar view to the franchise, whereas like being a housewife is everything for them. And they're very into their like DMs that they get from Bravo fan accounts and the memes that people post and they want to be liked and they want to be iconic. And like, I just don't think it is... Meredith is as into it as they are. So I feel like they formed an alliance over how much they give a shit about being on this show. And it was, you know, at the demise of Lisa and Meredith's friendship. Also, speaking of Meredith, I feel so sorry for her in this past week's episode when the women question whether or not she was really in veil for her father's memorial service. I feel like that was a really nasty thing to say. And they can question whether or not she's telling them the full truth about things. But to go after like her, you know, right after her father died in a memorial service, that felt like such a low blow. And I feel like, I don't know, I would have been absolutely... uh, so angry and I don't know how she turned it around and then decided to go on the hike with everyone and hang out at Club Zion and get drunk and you know fall asleep in bed with all the girls like I don't know how she did that I would have been so hurt and I don't know if I would have been able to turn it around so I'm very interested to see where things go with Lisa and Meredith, especially because I don't think Lisa and Jen are in a good place either. And so I feel like it all stems from Lisa not being able to just say what she really thinks and feels. It's always through this sort of lens and prism of which how she wants to be viewed. So she, I don't know, this is what I feel like Heather and Whitney keep accusing Meredith of. She's not exactly saying how she's feeling, but I feel like Lisa does it way worse. Like she just, just, she just left, leaves so much unsaid. And it's so crazy to hear her in a hot mic because I feel like that's what's deep in her heart and what she really feels. And so it's like, just say what you're thinking and feeling. And maybe we're unable to piece things together because the producers don't want to break the fourth wall on this. But this whole season, it's like, just say it. What are you actually wondering? Like, what do you really need to know from Meredith? What do you really need to know from Lisa? It's, yeah, it's kind of crazy to watch. And 
I'm very bought in on this. I'm interested to see this friendship fall apart the same way I was of Bethany and Carol and Bethany and Jill. And we'll see what happens. I mean, in The Real Housewives of New York, the common denominator was Bethany. Like, she's the one that had two major fallouts with close friends. And in this, I feel like the common denominator is Lisa because she's having a fallout with Meredith and also, I think, with Jen Shaw. So we'll see what happens, guys. My guest this week is Ryan Bailey. You guys all know him. You requested him to be on this podcast when I reached out to you in the beginning of the year and asked for input. So we have such a great conversation. He's so funny. And we really talk about everything, getting emotionally invested in these people on Bravo, thinking they're our real friends and family, and also how we deal with negative feedback and We talk about all kinds of stuff. So I think you guys will find this conversation really interesting. As always, if you like the podcast, please leave a five-star rating and a kind review. And if you have, you know, constructive criticism, my DMs are open. You can find me at Mandy Slutsker on Twitter and Instagram. We'll take a quick break and then be back with Ryan Bailey. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Welcome to the Snapple Market Auditory Experience. Close your eyes. Imagine you're walking into your neighborhood store. You make your way to the back and reach for your favorite Snapple flavor. You can't wait. You take a sip. Whoa, that's a lot of flavor. Mmm. What flavor are you holding? Now open your eyes and check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavorful Snapple near you. Hi, everyone. Earlier this year, I asked you who you wanted me to have on the podcast. And my guest today is was overwhelmingly the most popular. So <laughs> thank you all for reaching out. And thank you to my guest for joining. He is the self-proclaimed bad boy of podcasting. You call him Ryan to be cool. <laughs> From the podcast, So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. Here is Ryan Bailey. All right. I, I didn't realize my parents voted. That's amazing. I'm so <laughs> I'm so blessed. That's uh what's up? What's up? Real life nation. What's up? <laughs> I forgot I got I I always forget I call myself the bad boy of podcasting and then somebody will remind me and then I'm like, why don't I say that more? Like I I there's so many things I'm like, you know, like you just say things and they just come out of your mouth and then you forget to like you're like, oh that actually is pretty funny, and then you don't I, I gotta say that more. I love that. I love it. Bad too. Boy podcast. I, yeah, it's gosh. It's, I mean, we've been doing this for so long now that you kind of forget the the stupid rich history of that you have of like the stupid things you've said over two years, you know? Right. People remind me what I've said for like three years ago. They're like, oh, you called it about so and so. And I'm like, what? What did I call? Oh, <laughs> did I-, I just I woke up to my first like not negative. D- I, 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 I mean, I get negative reviews and comments and all that stuff all the time. But I Last night I was really on one. I was being really silly. And I, I don't know if you're watching the new Sex in the City. Are you watching that? Yes, but I didn't watch the one from this well, week. This week, spoiler alert, Charlotte teaches Lily how to use a tampon. Okay. And this was endlessly fascinating for me. And I, I don't know. And I, I tried to mansplain tampon use to a primarily female listenership. But I also thought it was, I, I thought it was because they tried to make this joke out of it. But I also was like, so uh, I was like, man. I women have to go through the most. Like, I don't understand. 
Like you guys have to do things that men can never do in a million years. But I was, I, but also it was just like one of the silliest plot lines. And I already woke up to an email saying that they were disgusted by my comments on, uh, you know, tampon use, which I, I was like, I'm, oh I'm disgusted. I'm disgusted too. Like I, 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 <laughs> you, I, gosh, it's, it's damned if you do damned if you don't. And you know, I don't know. People just, seem to really enjoy being outraged because of all things like that just doesn't seem to be the thing. But I also like, distinctly <laughs> remember when I first needed to use a tampon. I, but okay, so this is the conversation they have. And this is what I was curious about is who taught you how to use oh, a tampon? I can tell you. So my mom was out of town because her mother just died and she was staying with her sisters. And my dad was there and useless. So he <laughs> went out and bought them. And then my mom's friend, who was a nurse, came over <laughs> and sat outside the bathroom while she like instructed me to put my <laughs> leg up on the toilet. Yes, and, that's, like, that's part of the Sex of the City scene. And then, this is so embarrassing, they got me lube to put on the tampon to make it easier to go in but it was just like so unnecessary and like my dad didn't want to explain what any of this was it was like he was like a little confused too like <laughs> well, I mean I'm just saying uh, Matt like, I was just I was talking out loud as I do on the podcast and I was just like what like really honestly what do men have in our lives that could even compare about inserting something into ourselves and wearing it around on a daily basis. Like, you know, I mean, we have to, you guys have to do stuff that is just so feel so far beyond our capabilities. Like, I don't think we'd be able to do it. Right. I mean, it was just like, I would think I was 12, maybe had just turned 13. It was right before summer camp. And so it was like, I needed to know this so I could swim at camp and I was going to yeah. be away from my family and stuff. So, uh, yeah, it was just like this kind of hilarious. Well, I guess that's what situation. that's what offended uh, that's what offended <laughs> this listener because I said I have my parents on a lot, and I said I'm going to have my parents on next week, and I've got to ask my mom if she taught my sister how to use a tampon, and that's the part that offended this listener. And I was like, uh, first off, I said I ask my mom uncomfortable questions all the time. That's part of the bit, but also I think I get so desensitized in talking about everything under the sun so much every day that I sometimes don't even know what's offensive anymore. Like, I mean, I do in a, in a macro sense and I know exactly my personal belief system, but when it comes to, I mean, I talk about everything under the moon, like, and also right. I present myself as the biggest idiot uh, on the show. Like I, even if I make fun of all these like Jax Taylor and these reality stars, I always point out that I'm the saddest individual of all of them. You know, <laughs> we're not the saddest. No, individual. no, no. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I know, but, but that's at your the end bit. of the day, remember, yeah. I'm the one whose life revolves around talking about this, which is infinitely potentially more sad than the person actually living the life that I'm talking about. You know, fair point. Yeah. But it's, I, I wake up and I'm just, you know, you wait, you do this all night and you wake up and you're like, ah, oh, crap, I offended somebody. And then you get scared. That you're like, oh, how many other people are going to get offended about the same thing? And then you wonder, like, how people who've done this or done radio or or like how they've anybody that creates any kind of controversy. And this isn't really a big controversy at all, but how they deal with it, how they deal with that many people having such a strong opinion against you, you know? And that actually leads me to a question I have for you. So it came out this week that Stassi Schroeder is publishing yeah. her second book, Off With My Head. 
And it is about the controversy that, you know, of her being, quote unquote, canceled. And I think a lot of it is about her dealing with such negative opinions that people had about her and such strong opinions on such a large platform. I remember when this stuff came out about her, even my dad found out and my dad doesn't know anything yeah. about yeah, yeah. Bravo. And he called me and he's like, I hear Stussy is racist. And then he's like, <laughs> asked if I needed to rename my dog. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm wondering, like, what do you think about the book? Or do you plan on reading it? Or the utility of even getting into someone's own experience on being on that, you know, the other end of that much hate? As I mean, as someone who doesn't know how to read yet, I will not be reading the book. No, uh, no, no. I actually so funny. I did think I went hiking uh, yesterday and I did think about this actual uh, topic because that's what I do on hikes. Is I still think about reality shows is that, you know, so my thing is I my personal belief is that we do need to. If if people are express interest in putting their best foot forward and learning from their mistakes and learning what their mistake exactly is, um, then I am of the mindset of, and I, what I was taught from my parents is that, you know, we do need to forgive in life. The problem I have with it is that, but do you have to make money off of it? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do you have to monetize it and monetize your experience which is, you know, what we all do in a way, but there's something very distasteful about it. You know, you, you're trying to think from a sense of like, well, okay, well, she does have a family to provide, you know, that she needs to provide for. She did get a source of revenue uh, taken away from her, even though it was her fault why it got taken away. Um, but if she genuinely is sorry, and supposedly, you know, I know she had a coach that was teaching her sensitivity <laughs> training or something, and yeah. which, you know, hopefully that's a funny character in the book, um, you know. Listen, Stasi has a lot of power and still does in terms of how many people, how many girls and women looked up to her. But my thing with Stasi from the very beginning was we're at a time in this nation and in the world where we can't be basic bitches anymore. You know, like like let, let's let's I hope the point of the book is to say, yo, it's cute that we all love ranch dressing and Game of Thrones and murder shows. But guess what? We all have to do a little bit more. You know, we're not in a point where we were 10 years ago where we can like just chill and be snotty to each other and stuff. You know, we've got to ask more from ourselves as we get older and especially when you're bringing a child into this world. So hopefully that's a big part of this book. I I uh, I think she will get a lot of flack immediately from people that will not even read the book just because of the title and, you know, it making money off of cancellation, supposedly, which, by the way, she's not canceled. She's got a book deal and she's doing fine. And her Patreon, from what I hear, makes more money than she probably would having a, a free Patreon, a free, free podcast. I just have a problem. I mean, I think people will judge regardless rather than reading and sometimes i will be interested i won't read it i might listen to the audiobook from the library when it comes available but i'm curious that maybe you know what who knows maybe there's a great message in there maybe there's a great message that for all the people that are reading that they it actually can make them rethink their position on some issues i don't know that's like me hoping for the best And hoping it's not as like, oh, I can't believe this was done to me and blah, blah, blah. But it's the same thing as like Jamie Lynn Spears and Britney Spears, right? So like 
Hey, Jamie Lynn Spears can have her own experience. Great. She can have her feelings towards her sister. And I'm sure it made it difficult at times, but at the end of the day, do you got to make money off of it? Like, do you got to, I mean, like that's, that to me is where you lose me completely of like, yes, have your own experience. Why is it so important a for us to know and B for you to make money off of it? That's the part where I completely kind of lose a lot of respect for people. Yeah, no, I, I hear you. It's just, I'm always kind of curious what people must feel like who are on the receiving end of that amount of vitriol. Uh, not saying she doesn't deserve vitriol or whatever, but just it, like, what does that must be like? Because I cry over any sort of oh, like negative totally. review or, you know, I feel terrible when once I alluded to someone having an alcohol problem on Bravo and someone wrote to me and was like, you know, you shouldn't label people alcoholics. And you know, it's like, you're right. I shouldn't be doing that. Yeah. You know, like I'm so sensitive and so much like care about what my listeners think. And I want to be better. So when I feel like I misstep or I do something that was like off, I feel horrible. I can't imagine what someone must feel like that's receiving it, you know, times a million. Well, it's that double edged sword, right? Like, and I think, well, first off, a lot of people don't understand. And I'm, but, and, and by the way, everybody listening, don't take this as like, uh, this is not in any sort of way a boast or a brag or anything. But what I've been thinking about lately, and you probably deal with this as well is that, you know, humans shouldn't be probably dealing with as many people as we deal with on a daily basis. Like I, through my podcast and the Instagram account and the Twitter account and all of this stuff, I get fed so much, so many people's voices every day. Like my voice is going out there obviously, but I get so much feedback every day or even just on my posts or when I do wrong or when it's funny, most of the time it's like this, um, this amazing kind of wave of like, love and laughter and stuff but you know a lot of the times it isn't and it can really like it can really affect how you do i mean like i was telling my roommate that i was just like i i I, two years ago i was not receiving this much information every day in terms of dealing with so many different types of people and if you take every person as the same and that's just not the case like some people are going through their own things some people are just mad some people are wanting to make you upset some people there's a lot of different motives so i don't even know what it would be like for somebody like stassi now it's not boohoo for Stasi because Stasi thankfully right. has made this um, like has a career now that she never would have had without all of this attention, like period. Cause there's not, it's like, you know, she's, she's good at speaking and being snotty and bratty and all that stuff that we encouraged from her since the very first episode of Vanderpump rules. But it really does affect the human psyche. Like I'll, like I'll, like I said, that comment about the tampon, I'll think about it all day. I'll think about it all day. Cause by the way, I thought I was reading a compliment. Cause it was like, I usually love everything you do. And I was like, Oh, this sounds pretty good. And then it was like, Oh fuck. And then I really do sit there and think about it for the remainder of the day. And that's just how my brain is wired, but also there's no handbook for any of this stuff. Like it's, there's a sickness in that we even want to do a podcast to begin with, but then you have to let other people give their opinions on it. I, I have to, I had to stop reading reviews. Um, I, my friend Maditza who does all our graphics sent me a review the other day. And I said, don't, I said, I please don't do this. I don't want to see reviews. And I know she felt really bad, but I just, I'll, I'll spin out on them. I'll spin out on them. You yeah. know? 
and we only listen to the negative feedback, right? Like you could get a hundred positive, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, pieces of feedback, but you just focus on the negative. And I, I'm not saying Stasi, like I feel bad for Stasi. It's just anyone, like any of these housewives, right? Like, you know, take any of them, Lisa Barlow, people, some people just hate her. And it's, and I just can't imagine what it must be like to be on the receiving end of that. Although well, she doesn't seem to let it bother her. <laughs> it, it's really an interesting topic, though, because I think about this more and more as I get further into this career is that, you know, I can hit hard on Instagram sometimes. Uh, you know, I mean, there's a joke behind it usually, but it'll also kind of tell, a, you know, my greater truth or like the way I deal with things is usually through a humor or potentially a bad joke. But you'll see other people. And, and I think it's all about like approach, right? And your approach changes as you get more into it. Like I'm probably a little less harsh than I was a year and a half ago. I mean, I sometimes have my moments still where people will be like brutal, cold blooded. And I'll be like, what? It's a, I'm not trying to be brutal or cold blooded. It made me laugh and it, you know, made sense to me. Some of these memes, but uh, I'll, I'll look at other people now on Instagram or Twitter, especially where I'm like, damn, I, I mean, that's just even I'll be like, damn, that's just flat out mean. Like, that's just there's no I don't even know where the joke is in this. Like, and, and that's rich coming from somebody like me. But sometimes I really I even get scared of like, wow, like well, that's the other thing, too, is that you'll notice if I if you make a meme joking about or commenting on something reality show that'll happen, your joke will be there. But then it's the comments underneath it that you're like, damn, yo, you took it too <laughs> Uh, you're like that went way too far like what yeah. i'll be like you know at least there was i don't mean class in my joke because there was not class but there was like not even panache but there was a way of going about it and these people are like you're just like hitting like you're like well that person's a fat idiot anyways and i'll be like damn and that's the part where you feel bad because you're like oh my god am i just encouraging people to hate which is really Something that I mean, it's like I I I'm fascinated lately with hate watching TV shows, yeah. Like the new Sex in the City, I hate watching. It's one of the best hate watches I have, and I look forward to it every week. And I'm going to be so sad when it's over, but I genuinely hate it, and I think it's bad. But I really can't stop watching it, and I want it to go on forever. Now, I think sometimes that's the same with like the internet and stuff. Is that it makes people feel bad to feel these intense emotions that aren't good emotions that are like, oh, I hate this, but it like, it scratches this itch that we have. And it's the same thing with reality show characters like Lisa Rinna. I despise Lisa Rinna, but I also realize that Lisa Rinna has a place on that show. And I think there's that fallacy of people think of like, you'll always get like, oh, you want Bravo to fire Lisa Rinna? I'm like, I've never said that. No, I would be so sad if Lisa Rinna got fired because I <laughs> right. so I get so much content from it. I get so, it, it makes me feel alive when I'm able to rail against somebody that I think is uh, vehemently like evil, you know? Yeah. So do you hate watch Vanderpump Rules now? Or like, how do no, you No, no, it never got that. I've, I've I said this the other day on a post where I said, I, you know, I will never, I will never not love Vanderpump Rules. Vanderpump Rules is like, for me, one of my first loves in reality series where I got really invested and just thought this was an amazing time. 
and like all of it, you know, based kind of on humor. It wasn't like, oh my God, they're teaching me how to live life. It wasn't like that, but it was so funny to me and so refreshing. And there was just the age range was different than the housewives. And I just thought it all clicked. And it was like, these are people, you could sense that these were real friends doing really bad things to each other. And that was like, wow, I get this peek behind a curtain and you're taking me into a new universe that I'm not personally into, but there was enough relatability that you could really kind of get into it based on your own life. So uh, yeah, of course I'm not ignorant. It was not a great season at certain points, especially, um, you know, the casting is still not fixed, but it's a COVID season, which I know they dealt with many times this season. Also, mm-hmm. so I interviewed Tom Sandoval, which should be coming out. I got to, I'm trying to get approval on this thing. It's massive. It's like a two and a half hour interview with Tom Sandoval. And I went wow. over to his house. It was like my first, like in-person interview since the pandemic. And he, uh, the thing that I walked away with the most is that for as fake as this show can see, seem sometimes, especially this season, it's completely real. Like, it's just that the producers almost make it seem like it's like, like it, they almost add a fakery to it that it doesn't even need to be there. Cause the relationships are so completely real. Like I felt like I was in an episode of Vanderpump rules, hearing Tom talk about his relationships with the cast members. And you realize there is such a rich, long history with these people because it actually started off as friends in their lives. And, you know, I, I thought I was like, wow, this is really fascinating and scary. Cause I was also saying like, if I got into it with Sheena about something like there's like a, you know, Sheena was mad at me about something and we were like, I was, I ended up met, like texting with Sheena one night and which was so random and it was not what I wanted to do. And, and I, my stomach was in knots and I asked Tom, I said, how do you, how does your nervous system do this? Like, I said, this is off season. And like, Sheena seems like she lives potentially in drama 24 seven. Right. And Tom was like, yeah, man, like I have stomach aches all the time. I get nervous all the time. I get nervous having to say things to my friends that I don't want to say, but I have to say for the sake of the show, because that's the show, you know, it's like the show really does encourage you to like, you know, it's like when uh, him and Schwartz had to ask Jax if he had slept with faith at, uh, you know, Sheena's birthday party a couple uh, of seasons ago. Yeah. But he was like, yeah, you, you can tell, like, I didn't want to do that. Like, you think I wanted to do that? I knew, you know, like I knew the repercussions of that. I knew it was, you know, but also you're doing a show. Like that's the the premise of the show. And that's our right. responsibility to the show is that like, you got to ask the tough questions, but yeah, no, the, the show wasn't endlessly fascinating and amazing, but I thought the reunion was such a great taste of what season 10 could be like. I I believe it will come back. They don't know if it will yet, but I believe it will be. And I think we got a lot of avenues just from the two-part reunion, the two-part reunion of where I was like, this is still like, they got some fight in them. This is, this is still, this still can be something if they really figured it out with new cast members. Cause remember DJ James Kennedy and Lala were new cast members to the show and they turned out great. Like in terms of the show, it can be done, but you are getting a, a widening age gap, which is what we dealt with on Real Housewives of New York between Leah, Ebony, and the rest of the ladies. Right. You know, there is an awkwardness. So they've got to really kind of take a risk, make a plan, you know, decide if they want to do a split off show from Tom Tom. But I mean, I think the bones are still there. 
I 100% agree. I thought that this reunion was one of the most riveting reunions we have seen in a long time. And maybe that's because so much happened after filming ended. But to see James and Raquel... Oh, their engagement. And they started the they started, they started the first episode that, off with and that. No one knew it was coming. So you see oh, their raw, real yes. reactions because they're trapped, just like the women of Salt Lake were trapped on that sprinter van, finding out information about Jen Shaw, and there was no escape where they had to like, you know, process it and then go back on camera. This was all being processed in real time, and I couldn't get enough of it. Yeah, and I have to know so. What I was probably most shocked about at the reunion wasn't just their breakup because we heard that that was coming, but was certain things the other cast members said to Lala that I feel like they didn't have the guts or the chutzpah or whatever to say to her during the season or when she was with Randall. And when Raquel said that she always knew Lala as the mistress, it was like we finally got to get into the details of how Lala and Randall's relationship started. And I was shocked by it. I well, And by the way, this is a shout out to Raquel is that that girl can speak nothing but the truth. Raquel Mm -hmm. just like, and you can't attack her because she's coming from such a good place. She's like, I've always known. I wasn't surprised because I've always, I was, I was introduced to Lala as the mistress. You know, like, and it was like just a matter of fact statement. It wasn't her trying to be snarky. It was, it was the reality of that situation. And people don't remember is that Lala hid Randall on the show. If you watch back three or four seasons ago, they're all talking about it. Like you're dating a married man. And she'll be like, no, I'm not. No, what are you talking about? No, I'm not. She would never admit it on camera. And I have it from very good authority is that they did keep that secret for her. And you even see in their facial reactions in the part two of this reunion, them going like they're still covering for her. And they even make that point. And Lisa does like they covered for you. They didn't bring this up on filming, you know, and Lala's like, well, I wish, wish they had a, you know, like she did shut anything down. They showed. So it's like, I understand Lala is heartbroken or whatever, but you can't have it both ways. You can't like she got into a situation with a married man, period. You, you know, she can lie and say whatever she wants, but like, that is the reality of that situation. Hope I'm sure. I don't know what that's like, but I'm sure the mentality is that he would never do that to you. You could change him. You're too hot for this, whatever the mentality is. There is a difference between dating someone who's married, but who's going through a divorce, right? Who has filed for divorce, but they're currently legally married and someone who's married and there's been nothing filed. Right. And so I had always understood it from her point of view that yes, he was legally married, but they had separated. And then I came into the picture. And so I always took her at her word for that because I'm not going to accuse of something that I don't know. But when she said for the first two months we were together, I never had been to his home and we were just traveling from place to place to place to place, but we would come to my home. I was like, come on, you call yourself a smart girl. Don't pretend like you if you don't know where someone lives and, you know, and that is insane. That's what I'm saying. You can't you can't play it both ways. Lala's super smart, but also super dumb at the same time. Like, I'm sorry. Like and I, I enjoy Lala, but Lala is very comfortable with lying. And she'll protect the people and she'll lie to protect them. And I, I'm sorry, that's the, but also the unfortunate thing with Lala is she's very outspoken. So a lot, and that's what makes her a good Bravo celebrity supposedly is because 
you know, just like Jen Shaw or anybody, she'll outscream you. She'll uh, she'll cut you down with a comment. She'll call you a Bambi-eyed bitch. She'll do all of this stuff where you won't want to go up against Lala. You won't, you know, like, but I always, I find Lala not a tragic figure because she'll be fine, but um, I always find it interesting is now she's pivoting to like caring about podcasting again. And it's another one with like the Stasi thing of like, yo, be careful. You do have a lot of ears probably. And a lot of young women listening to that show, you know, maybe instead of telling them how they should be and da, 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 like, why don't you do some inner work first, Right. figure it out for yourself. It doesn't seem like you do know the answers. So, you know, like you're tough talk and I'm telling you like it is, it's like, girl, you couldn't even. Like you couldn't even see what was like five foot feet in front of you. How would anybody really need or want to take your advice otherwise? Um, because I'm sorry, like I had heard about Randall stuff from the moment they were dating. Like, I mean, like that wasn't even, in fact, you know, this last year I started potentially getting convinced of like, okay, well maybe he is a good, cause I had always heard those rumors about Randall. I had always heard that he had been married. I had always heard these things and so it didn't shock me at all, but it shocked me that Lala was like, I had zero idea. Cause I was like, wow, that that's really potentially admitting you're an idiot. Yeah. Or, you know, you just willfully look the other way, but it's like, but now, but now it's coming up where she's rewriting history. Like she said yesterday, like I didn't, I, I never enjoyed sex with Randall. <sighs> I never, you know, now that kind of stuff's coming out and it's like, yo, it's all right to say you were totally in love, you know, like it's all right to say. And by the way, I do want to like, there is that distinction we see in Bravo a lot too, of like the Erica Janes and the law laws where I'm sure they grew to love Tom and Randall. And I'm sure they, felt really in love immediately because guess what? If you're getting $90,000 cars or $250,000 pieces of jewelry, you're damn, you're damn right. I'm going to love somebody pretty quickly. You know, like that probably is an amazing feeling that feels a lot like love. Right. Like a sense of security and being taken yeah, care you're of. Like, Whoa. Yes. Like, I am free to actually love this person. I don't care about looks. I'm a good person. I, I care about what's inside. And this person's really caring about me by giving me these amazing things that I've always wanted. Now, speaking of love, I want to pivot to Summer House because we are watching a couple, Kyle and Amanda, who <laughs> I believe are very much in love, um, deal with some really real like relationship issues. And for me, I feel so uncomfortable watching it on camera sometimes just because it's so real and raw. And this um, past episode, you know, Amanda's very upset with Kyle for staying out and drinking. She has uh, triggers her for the, you know, the four years ago when he cheated on her and was too drunk to remember. But she said, let's I don't want to talk about this now. Let's wait till after the weekend. Do you think she was saying that just so that they weren't going to argue more in front of the house or that she really wanted to have this conversation off camera? And if it's the latter, do you like think that these, I don't know, Bravo celebrities like owe us to show everything on camera? Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think it's a little bit of both in that case because they already have a lot of stuff on camera that's embarrassing. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have Kyle going like, oh, I screwed up. I had fun. And like, you know, like you're as fun as a piece of wood. Like, you know, like him saying the worst things, her breaking his like, uh, you know, uh, cologne and things like that. 
I mean, they already got plenty of footage and they've had footage for the last five seasons or whatever of that relationship. But I, uh, I mean, I always thought when that moment, I, I think I even said that I was like, yo, I wonder if the producers were like, no, you will speak now. Like, but I will say, since we are so used to Amanda and Kyle fighting at times and being intense, that it almost was entertaining for me to watch Amanda try to brush Kyle off at that 4th of July party, like wouldn't <laughs> give him the time of day would literally be like, quit, you're annoying, go away. Like it was kind of an interesting change of pace than just continuing fighting because I mean, they started off this season with a bang, but it was a very dark bang of like, whoa, it, it, you know, which I kind of, I like of that about shows that grow up and still provide drama. And that is not everybody's reality, thank God, but some people's reality when they are in a relationship and it is that codependent and stuff. And it's a very, like, there are these kind of certain universal truths that these shows do show us. And, uh, but yeah, man, I got, I, I mean, I, I was starting to think about my past relationship watching right. them. And I was like, Oh, I just, I, and I interviewed them before I saw that first episode. And I, I know I'd it seen was that such, first episode. I felt, it was such I was a like, good interview. it was, but I was like, ah, like, I felt so, I just felt so, I was like so excited. And then the first, and then they, the episode with them came out the day after and I like literally had to tell people, I was like, sorry guys, I had not watched that show. So it's a pretty lighthearted, good, inter- you know, lighthearted, fun interview. In fact, I, I made them break up at one point in the interview because so Carl and Lindsay headlines. were taking, yeah. Cause I wanted to get <laughs> headlines and I now in retrospect, go, oh, that's so dark. Like why did I ever even, I felt embarrassed, but I just didn't know that that's how the season was going to start. Right. Um, but I get, that's the weird thing about these shows is that if you watch them the wrong way, which I do, is that you start to think that these people are your actual family. And I then like, I really do. I like, I'm like sitting around on it, like uh, not even recording going, I wonder if Kyle and Amanda are going to be okay. Like, I wonder if they're all right. Like I start to actually personalize this stuff. Like it has anything to do with my life. I mean, the same thing goes for any pop culture. We've been shoved down our throats, this Kanye West, Julia Fox, Kim Kardashian relationship where I'm like going like, Oh, I bet Kanye, is Kanye going to have a breakdown? What's going to happen? Like I sit there and worry about this stuff. Like it's one of my family members. No, I feel the same way, especially about Kyle and Amanda and Carl and Lindsay. Like I feel so excited about Carl and Lindsay being together and about his sobriety. Like I feel personally invested in it. I have never met him. I probably never will meet him, but I care. And maybe it's just because I get excited, but aren't you? You don't, I get excited, but then I'm also like a glass half empty kind of person where I'm like, well, let's see how it goes. I mean, I'm I'm nervous that, I mean, what happens if Lindsay is drunk and I, I, what happens if, you know, like I hate it because I want this to be their forever relationship. And how cool would that be if it really did start off as friends and all like I I've written that romance in my head as well. Uh, like a normal man would, but like, I don't think like, I just get nervous of like, okay, they're coming out hot and heavy. Let's hope they can really establish this, you know? Right. I know it's, it's, it's so tough. Okay. So on the relationships that I'm a lot less invested in, if you were Paige, who would you choose Andrea or Craig? I got to say Andrea, actually, (laughs) 
<laughs> I I know this is the unpopular opinion, but my thing is, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, they're probably both like disgusting in terms of like, you know, sleeping with a bunch of women and all that stuff. But I, I've seen Craig's behavior a lot. And I know Craig is the like Bravo's darling and every yeah. girl wants to have his babies and all of that stuff. But Andrea is very simple to me in this kind of very sweet uh, simple way of like, yo, I, I, you make my heart feel very good. I, I just want to, I want to, you know, like he's so, um, and I, I had to say, I'm, I'm very excited for next week's episode when Craig actually comes to the summer house because, but I will say, I never see Paige light up from within than I do when she's with Andrea. She'll just be like, it's it's like a giddy schoolgirl, which probably is not good for a relationship, but she'll just be like, She'll just look at him and like, he's like good looking and he'll be saying that and she'll just be like, she, it's like, she's almost blushing constantly around him. And maybe that's just something that's probably not great for a relationship, but I, I'm sorry. Like she lights up like a light bulb and I'm very curious to see her now more around Craig to see if it's the same thing. But I, I don't know. Like, am I the only one that sees that? No, I see it too. And from what we've seen thus far, I would totally choose Andrea. I think there must be something with Craig, though, that she sees long term where they have very similar goals. That's it. That's it. And also similar families is what I was thinking. Well, and I almost think it like almost then hurts Andrea having like being so Italian, you know? Right. And being that like, well, you know, like I think there's this quality of treating him almost like a celebrity in a way of like, well, I can't really have a real relationship with him. And I think Andrea was at that point of like, usually I am so uh, into very different things, but I, I want to <laughs> settle down. Like, I think this is probably going to be crushing for him because he actually got convinced into wanting to settle down with somebody when he was enjoying being single. Yeah. And I mean, I think in her head, it would be so fun to be with an Italian guy and go in summer in Italy or move there and start a family. But then in reality, she probably doesn't want to be that far from her family. And she wants to still make money off being an influencer. And what better way to do it than be with another influencer from the same network and you can just capitalize and you both have the same goals. And he doesn't have and, and she'll have access to a a fortune made on sewing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh man um okay uh of the oh wait new- also wait you you left out though in summer house my favorite relationship right now and the one yeah. i'm rooting for the most is the one between alex and ground turkey okay <laughs> i was gonna just ask you about alex and maya because what is it about casting other than luke where i feel like if they pick a different guy like a straight guy to just plop on the show it just never works they always seem awkward they don't seem to vibe with the other guys whereas the women have worked in the past right they brought in Paige, that worked you know uh, maya seems to be working what is it with alex and why would you cast well, my someone theory, like that my theory is there's I I keep saying this on the show. There's got to be something we don't know about Alex. There is no way producers would just be like, Oh, eats a lot of meat. Let's get him in there. Like there's got (laughs) to be like, I just don't think they would like throw that much. Cause then if, if that's the case, they could have just picked anybody, you know? And also it guys will always have it tougher coming into a reality show because girls ingratiate themselves with other girls and tell each other insanely personal things immediately on these shows Guys are more like, bro, what's up, bro? You want a beer, bro? Like on Summer House, especially, 
they're like, yeah, let's drink, bro. But it's not like sharing deep personal like and and guys form relationships built over time where girls can immediately bring somebody into their circle i'm not saying that's like real but they'll be like oh girl tell me about it my guy cheated on me three months ago and like maya's already talked about her relationship uh you know being engaged and breaking up six months ago we already know so much and and what do we got from alex alex likes to eat a lot of meat and and he seems to shame other people for like what they yes. eat and what they do. He has do, an which, attitude about it, yes. you know. So like, listen, it works for me in the way in in a way because of how much it doesn't work. So then it gives me something to be like, that is so funny. Like that's so funny. He's such a nerd. Like he tries to hit on a girl at this pool party, and he was like, you know, like, hey, I take digestive pills. <laughs> like he literally said, I take digestive pills. Like it was like. Okay, like I mean that—that's like me saying like, "Yo, I pooped three times today." What do you think about that? Like, <laughs> it is so weird. But it, to me, I was like, "That's so funny," and I love those moments. I love those weird little moments on reality shows. So it kind of works in the way because it just doesn't work at all, right? I did hear in an interview that Lindsay said that she got him to loosen up a bit, and he was pretty uptight the first, you know, part of filming. Well, listen, I would probably be the same way. I'd be, I would be the guy that was like, why is he always hiding in his room? Like, I'd be that guy that's just <laughs> hiding in my room. And, but I do have to think that if you're going to be on a big show like that, like, there's got to be something else. I know they do intense interviews with these people just to get on the show. So there's got to be something. There's got to be something we're missing. Speaking of intense interviews to get on the show, let's pivot to Salt Lake. <laughs> So I don't want to get into the Jenny of it all because I don't want to give it any more oxygen. But <laughs> Right. And, but what do you think those interviews were like? I know we've seen some of them come out, like from Lisa Barlow and what Jen Shaw saying she spends $50, like $1,000 a month. But what do you think it must have been like to do the interviews for Salt Lake as producers and production? Like from their viewpoint? From their viewpoint. Salt Lake is so weird to me because like, it's so hard for me to not speak about it, but it's like, I've never encountered a housewife show that is on the path that Salt Lake is on. Like I, I, I always compare it to like a fever dream or like, um, uh, like twilight zone where I'm like, what is what's happening? Like, and then every time you think you found the bad guys, somebody does something like they're all kind of weirdly equally bad. And that's really saying something because this should be a season where Jen Shaw is really kind of raked over the coals. And we're kidding. We're like, and Jen Shaw is like weirdly coming off. I don't want to say good. Cause I don't personally love her, but like she, I mean, for the behavior she's exhibiting, she's really skating by mm-hmm. like, she's like screaming at people. I don't, I don't know, like the producers must like have this kind of thing of like, well, in five years, we'll look back and we'll be laugh, we'll laugh and we'll be proud of ourselves. But I can't imagine they're not on a daily basis hating their lives, you know, of like it of trying to make sure everybody's coddled, make sure everybody doesn't kill each other before they have a camera on it to make sure. I mean, I feel like that production alone has so many things thrown at it. I mean, I I really think they've got to be miserable over there, you know, and these ladies, I mean, like, I just don't see how they would do this show without being miserable because 
I find it fascinating, but I find it fascinating because I just can't figure anyone out. Like, I'm like, what? Like, and I sometimes feel miserable after watching that show. But like I said, I don't mean that as a bad thing. I mean, like, it really puts me through something where I'm like, damn, this is intense as hell. Like, this is so dark. How did you go from the first season, which wasn't light, but there was a lightness to it, maybe, or right. maybe, but now it is just so dark. Like, it is but not even dark in like how it outwardly presents, but dark because you just feel this darkness inside of all of them. Like, I don't know if I'm just reading way too, I'm probably reading way into things. It just has, that's the vibe I get. And that's what I'm like, I've never seen a housewife show th this bizarre. Like there's like a twin peaks quality to it where I don't even feel like we all know even half, half of the truth. Right. It's so, and it seems like they all, no one seems to have true alliance to one another. No, that's what's and, so and amazing. That's what's so crazy is that they're constantly turning on each other. And I wonder how much of the like Heather and the Whitney in particular comes from growing up in the Mormon church and maybe in their current life feeling like they had been lied to. So they feel this need to like seek out the truth and then they're like the arbiters of truth throughout the, the show because I don't understand why Whitney needs to have answers to everything in a way she's seeking it out and she's pushing things that I think she knows are untrue, such as Meredith having anything to do with calling the FBI or Meredith lying about her father's memorial service. Like, I think she knows deep down none of these things are true, but she just needs to know what's going on with Meredith. So instead of flat out asking her she's like alluding and dancing around these allegations which are really painful to meredith you know and doesn't seem yeah. to care that it's causing her pain or but you're right with the alliances thing especially it's very i mean because the alliances sometimes don't even make sense to me first off because like meredith will go to mary and treat mary like she's the most sane person that she's ever spoken <laughs> with and i'll be like what the hell? Like, it, it, it's so much where I'm like, I question Meredith, where I'm like, what? Like, like Meredith will be like, girl, and that's why I said, da 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 da. Mary will be like, birds like to poop in hands, like, say something <laughs> completely off the wall. And Meredith will be like, such a good point, Mary, such a good point. And I'll just be like, what? I like, but also with the Heather and Whitney thing, I think, yes to what you're saying about their backgrounds. And I think that's also what makes the entire show fascinating. It's coming from a religious uh, jumping off point. But the other thing is they're also the two that are very aware and have watched every season of housewives. Yes. So they're also very aware of the show. So I know when I've been around quote unquote, Bravo lebs, I've been in a couple experiences where I felt like I'm in an actual show. Cause I'm like, damn, I'm watching this live, you know? And I think you sometimes see that with them of they're just getting their popcorn and watching because they're like, holy shit. And then, you know, I think subtly they'll throw things in there to really stoke the fire because they know what is needed. And that's a really, you know, Whitney, I know gets a lot of crap for that, but I kind of appreciate Whitney for that. I think Whitney will be a lot more appreciated in years to come for the moves she's making. But remember, we always treat women with meek voices and fake boobs. We always treat them with kind of a weird automatic disrespect. 
And I think in years to come, I think that that will change with Whitney and, and a lot of the things that I read about her, you know? Mm-hmm. No, I think she's great for the show. She reminds me sort of, of as an Ashley Darby, like really able yeah. to keep going with it. I need to get your opinion as someone who's had a lot of opinions about Erica Jane on Beverly Hills. How do you feel the Bravo viewers are treating Jen Shaw versus Erica Jane? With the distinct difference being that Erica has actually never been charged with a crime and Jan Shah has been indicted with a series of very intense yeah, crimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, this is the thing I wrestle with with my own personal feelings and my own sense of outrage about the Jen Shaw stuff because I feel like she gets a 60-minute infomercial every week from Bravo now to say, I'm – I'm innocent. I'm innocent. And nobody ever calls her on anything where I used to make fun of Beverly Hills every week because I didn't think these ladies were questioning Erica for shit. I was like, I don't even like what is, this is not grilling somebody. Erica is like getting away with murder here, even though it hasn't been proven. But in my personal opinion, I was of that feeling. But now, like I said, it makes the Beverly Hills ladies look like they were expertly grilling Erica because Jen Shaw gets away with murder in terms of the actual show. Now, the public perception of it is Erica Jane, of course, has gotten grilled more by the public than Jen Shaw. But that's also just based on the fact that Beverly Hills is a way more popular show, way higher rated show, way more eyes are on that show than Salt Lake. Salt Lake, remember, is still not getting excellent ratings. Yeah. It's still not getting near like Vanderpump Rules season finale beat Salt Lake, you know, last week, like all of the, you know, like, so as good as everybody says Salt Lake is, the eyes are still not where they they should be. Uh, and by the way, it took Potomac really, you know, four seasons to really get going, going. And I think Salt Lake has already given so much, but it takes a while for people to trust these shows, I think, or for people just to, people are busy in their lives. Um, not me, obviously, but. Um, <laughs> me neither. <laughs> yeah, like, so I think Jen Shaw is getting, like, and by the way, that's what I was, and not to bring up the Jenny thing too much, but. You know, Jen Shaw has been very vocal against Jenny mm-hmm. and these accusations and stuff. And on Twitter, people were like, Jen made some points. Jen made. I'm like, OK, yo, she did make some points. But in my opinion, Jen Shaw is all about distraction and confusion. And you're damn well she's going to hop on something that is like really like not that has nothing to do with Jen Shaw. She's going to be like, yeah, this lady over here. Like to me, she is distraction all the way. If she'll, you know, that's one way she'll do it also just with yelling somebody down. Uh, I've seen that girl freak out even in the first season before I knew she was a criminal like that. You know, it's like she just gets her way all the time. And whereas I agree with Jen's sentiments against Jenny, I sometimes don't actually put the most uh, faith or credence in them because it comes from Jen. Like this is somebody that will be going to prison. This is somebody that knows that deep down. This is somebody. So you always have to look at the messenger as well as the message. And I love the message, but I really don't like the messenger. So it also shows us how viewers and not just Bravo viewers, but viewers like we can be distracted all the time. We can be like, well, she's not that bad. I agree with that statement, you know? And it's like, Cool, but remember, she stole money from my grandma. Remember that. Like, so which are you are you, are you okay with that? Because she said this. Like everybody, these shows are fascinating because it starts to make you question your own moral fortitude. You know. And Jen is someone who's so charismatic. 
that I think like that's the kind of person that commits these crimes. Oh, I mean, Heather they Gay have, keeps saying, right. Heather, Heather Gay keeps saying, oh, but when she's happy, she's the most amazing person in the Friendship world. Friendship juice. Great. I'm sure a lot of potentially bad people had amazing days and made you feel very special. Like, I mean, I, that's every time Heather stands up for Jen Shaw, I feel like, like, whoa, what a weird codependent relationship. Yes. Like, you know, you're, you're literally dealing with a narcissist. That's classic. You're under a narcissist spell and that's it, you know? And I mean, there is something there with Heather potentially being codependent with Jen. Like something's very off with that because she was asked on Watch What Happens Live. Hey, did you ever figure out, you know, what happened to Jen when she left that Uber that you called for her? And she's Mm -hmm. like, I didn't look into it. And it's like, what do you mean? Any You look into everything else? Yeah. And any reasonable person would want an answer to that question. Yet you don't want to know the answer. When, when Heather came on uh, my pod, she got – this is actually probably the most news I ever got like or made because of an interview was that was the first time before this season even aired that she said, I stand behind Jen Shaw. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know how that looks, right? And she was like, yo, I don't give up on my friends and I believe in forgiveness even if she – you know, and I was like, okay. like, And I was had a great interview with her, great talk. But that got picked up on and she got a lot of flack for that. So I was really shocked then I get on Watch What Happens Live where she was like, always stand behind Jen. And I'm like, yo, like at a certain point, that's very frustrating to me because I'm like, so you're willing to give up your shine to help your friend that has railed against you, called you Shrek, all of that stuff and did this crime. So are you saying you're okay with criminal activity because you really like her as a friend? And and by the way, the answer might be completely, yeah, I am. Mm-hmm. But to me, that's just weird. Like I really yeah. question my own thing of like, okay, which friends would I be would I be cool with committing crimes? Mm-hmm. Like I I really thought that I was like, which which friends would I really let off the hook? You know, which friends would I I I'm very curious about that myself because it seems like it must be impossible to go against your friend you know, Heather Gay makes it look impossible. I don't know. I also wonder how much of like this shift in, I guess, how upset people were about Erica versus Jen is that deep down, most people know that Jen is going to face repercussions for her actions and Erica is likely to skirt by. And so people feel like (laughs) they need to hold her accountable because they don't believe the justice system will. But for Jen Shaw, we know she's got an upcoming trial. It's not looking very good. Stewart flipped on her, you know, so it's like, well, what am I going to add to this, you know, conversation that's going to, you know, I, I'm wondering if that's part of it. I feel like as the audience, we get gaslit every week. And I know that's a very popular term that I hate using, but like, we're literally like all, all Jen says every time, like total coincidence. I don't know. Total coincidence that I'm getting the fake like, FBI. The so fake total, indictment. And also, and then like to throw it then to Meredith and Mary of like, how dare those ladies? They got me in trouble. I'm like, wow. Like she'll throw she'll throw dirt any which way to see what sticks, sticks. and makes mud on someone. Like it's so bizarre to me, and nobody questions her on it. I'm like, yo, answer the question. Like let's sit down. Let's look at the complaint. Do you understand what is being accused of you? Where are you saying it's a coincidence? What part are you saying is a coincidence? Okay, so Stuart did. Are you saying Stuart's the mastermind? Like, let I want to get you on record. Like, you're saying Stuart did this, and you're taking the fall for Stuart. Is that what you're saying? I feel like, like I want to know exactly what defense. you say. 
I feel like but it'll I be like I want to hear it, you know. I I mean, and I feel like we also know a lot less of the facts in her case because they've been held back by the SDNY as part of the, you know, ahead of the trial, but once it all comes out, who But she would know the facts because of discovery, right? She already knows what they have. No, not necessarily. It's not, I don't know if the rules of discovery are the same in a criminal versus a civil. But with the Southern District especially from what I hear about them, it's not like like Stewart lied to them and got them fooled, you know, like they, yeah, they, 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 don't, they, don't they would miss. never even make that <laughs> deal with Stewart unless they had like, ev- like proof and verified it and stuff like that. So that's what pe- people are funny of like people like what, what dork the other night that I was like, Oh, you might be an idiot. Uh, I was on watch what happens live. It was the lady <gasps> yes. lady from righteous gemstones. Yes. And Who she, goes, she, she goes, with? It was she was so on bad. with uh, Lisa Barlow. I yes. think. And she said, I believe Jen, I believe Jen Shaw's innocent. And I was like, oh my God, you're stupid. Like, oh my God, like you really, like, do you know what? Like that made me realize, and that's what, what I guess more, it frightens me more than the actual crime itself is that people really will just believe anything that you tell them. Because mm-hmm. that remember in this country, people don't look into things. So you can lie your teeth off and take that however you want. But we've seen it politically. We've seen it polit- like people don't, you don't need to tell truth anymore, you know? And I actually had a guest on this week talking about like, you know, Billy McFarland from fire festival, Caroline Calloway, like scammers and things like that of, you, you know, you don't need to tell the truth because nobody's going to look into it. You know, like you can tell any lie you want. And sh- I believe Jen Shaw will go to jail without ever saying she is guilty. Oh, and I believe she will hold on to the fact and she and she will say that she was wrongly convicted for yep. the entire time she's there. And when she gets out of jail, I think she will still rail against that. I was put away for something somebody else did. And. Even to further that, I bet she will make an announcement once she's going to jail that in prison she is going to work towards her law degree or something to make sure this doesn't happen to other women like her. Oh, Ryan, that's so good and so dark. (laughs) But she will. She'll be like, I will make sure this doesn't happen to other women like me, you know? Oh, my gosh. Wow. Which is, unfortunately, it's like the thing, if you pay attention to this stuff so much, it never really changes. We see the same thing again and again and again. You know, it's like, but if you work from the assumption that people do lie, I think that's the thing that a lot of people problem people have is that people accept, people don't realize people lie. People, for some reason, go, well, they wouldn't lie. Well, what do you mean? Like, well, and also they wouldn't lie in court because they put the hand on the Bible and they say it. Mm -hmm. Okay, but if you like, you can tear apart that in one second, like people like, well, I don't recognize the Bible as I don't recognize the court anyway, so I can say whatever I want. Like people will rationalize lies to themselves all the time. But if you work from the assumption that just remember people do lie now, tell me what you think it would change so many things. I think it's just people's willingness to not understand that people lie in life really changes everything and really allows for scammers to profit again and again and again. And that brings me to my next question. So there wasn't a new OC this week, but I know you sons of <laughs> like, literally I am. I, I don't know if I'm the only, I love OC. I, I was so too. bummed. I was so bummed. I'm, I'm loving it. So, so much. enjoying this group yes. of women. And um, what's so interesting is that Noella seems to be very obviously lying about a number of things, but you don't, you know, want to take her. We don't know her, 
So I think a lot of us that are new are like assuming that why would she lie about this? You know, her husband picked up and left. You know, she's left with nothing. He, you know, she doesn't have credit cards and she can't pay for her kid's therapy. Why would she lie about this? And I think the other women, most of them are taking what she's saying at face value and, you know, providing comfort. But I think it's becoming more and more obvious that she's stringing together a bunch of lives and lies and half truths. I mean, what do you think about someone like her on the show that what's come out is that she had been pining to be on this show for so long and setting up her life to be on it. I do think sometimes that works like with Jennifer Aiden, um, who I think did a lot of similar. things. Yeah. Jennifer Aiden like got a house just mm-hmm. to be on the show. Like she was trying to get on that show for years, years. made a video of it, you know, like this was really a goal of hers. And so it seems like Noella is similar, but do you see it working out for Noella the way that I think it's worked out for Jennifer Aiden, at least in terms of cohesion with the cast and being liked by, you know, the by Bravo executives and, you know, the fans and all of that? So I had this uh, girl on last week that runs this new Instagram account, Bravoholic Data. I thought it's a great Instagram account where she breaks down the time of each cast member, how many Instagram followers they get after a show. It is oh, so cool. Interesting. So good. And it was such a fun interview. But you really, from my following of her account and looking at things, you really see the people that Bravo invests in in terms of the amount of screen time that they get, in the terms of amount of followers they get afterwards, you know, all of that. And from that standpoint, Bravo is investing in Noella. Now, it doesn't mean Bravo loves Noella, thinks Noella is a good person, but Bravo thinks there's something there. And I think they're really putting her out there potentially as a villain role eventually. But also Noella is one of those people that really did everything to try to get on that show. Yeah. She became friends with Bronwyn Wyndham Burke, which I just think Bronwyn is a, just another non-starter for me. And you always sense when people are, I hate to use a bachelor term, but like there for the wrong reasons <laughs> and she campaigned like she, and she's, you could tell she's getting off on it. Like the Noella thing, like there was a lot of red flags, but one of the biggest red flags was after the sweet James stuff came out, I think on her Instagram, she started really going wild. And she was like, you guys have given me the strength right. to take back my life. You guys, I'm like, do not even get us involved in your shit. Like, but it was like, yeah, tell me what I should do next. It was something like that. And it was like so desperate to try to endear us to her of like, you did this, you guys. I now can live. And I'm like, girl, come on. Like, you know, don't. Like, I, we sense when things are BS. You And by the way, a lot of people, we can sense things that are BS, but we also still will then love them. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I find it hysterical. A lot of Jen Shaw's like fans will be like, don't care, girl. Love you, girl. You look fierce, (laughs) you know? And I find that behavior very interesting, but that is a common fan of Bravo. Like they will love the messiness. They will love. And I got to say, Noella is, I love her because she's a mess to me. And I don't mean mess because she's going through this. I think she lives her life as a mess. I have a feeling she's the way she speaks, the way she it's but it's it's a great reality show character though i think i think we'll see we'll see i mean i'm wondering whereas dr jen actually gets the short end of the stick you see from the data where dr jen's actually potentially going to go through a really bad time with her husband ron and (laughs) 
she's a very real person, but she's not as entertaining as Noella. And for a TV show, that's the uh, that's the price we pay. It's just like politics, right? We've had some great people want to be president over the years, but they weren't camera ready. They weren't attractive enough. They didn't have that. You know, they weren't charming. They were boring. Like they all had that, a you vagina, know? and so therefore we won't hey, vote well, exactly. for them. Hey, hey exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm saying is that like. Dr. Jen probably is a really good person or has like a very interesting life, but we're not fully seeing it yet because Dr. Jen is still a little weird on camera. It's a little, you know, and I'm not, you know, so it's, it's really interesting how these shows work. I think OC has a strong future. I feel like. Oh, me too. Oh, me too. I really love it. true revamp and they're going to kind of, they're going to feel more real next season after yeah. developing real relationships off camera as well. Because that's what we can sense is when they don't really hang out together. And, you know, we see that this season. Like, who are was this hodgepodge of women? But I think they've become a number of them close. And then it's more interesting for the next season. Yeah, I, I think... I think what the watch what Crappens guys I was reading, they, I think they said they wanted uh, Megan King Edmonds to come back. And I, you know, like, sure, like do whatever, but I think we got a good crew right now. I think this is like a really great revamp. I personally am not missing Kelly Dodd at all. Um, and the Kelly Dodd thing is interesting because I know she has a lot of fans, unfortunately, but um, you know, the thing with Kelly, like, and, and not my favorite, and this is sometimes why Teresa is not my favorite, even though I loved her on ultimate girls trip is that there is like this disconnect in their brains sometimes where it's not even fun to argue with them because they don't, it, they don't understand what's being said, you know, like they, they, they're so reactionary, which is fun the first five times, but it's just like, you know, their brain isn't connecting with the part that makes sense of things. So Kelly just pops off without really understanding. And sometimes, like I said, it's fun, but it gets old. Like I, I want people that understand an argument and then argue back from that understanding. And I don't miss, I don't miss that with Kelly. Like I just like, I don't miss it. Well, she didn't also have any interesting storyline the last season that she was on. You think like, you know, meeting a new guy and him moving in with her and all that would be a little bit more interesting, but it really kind of fell flat to me, at least. Now, what I my big concern about the franchise is them bringing Heather back and Heather having too much control over things because, you know, sure. But I, but I, but I, at this point, think it's great because she is back and she's still, she's likable, but she's also not likable. Like yes. she skirts that line, which I really appreciate. <laughs> like she's not getting some hero edit. Like what right. I love is they're not like, like you can still dislike Heather DeBro. There's plenty of reasons this show gives you. And I love that about this show. She's not getting a hero edit. We're seeing exactly who she is. She overly plans. She's really snotty. She da da da. You know, and there's there's some good things about Heather DeBro. But I love that we get to see that. Like they're not like that's what I appreciate appreciate about this was that it was like Heather's coming back to save OC, and that's like you know how it was pitched to her, and you can tell she loves that. But at the same time, you also see like oh, but she's also still kind of that annoying person as well at times. And I love that. I think that's great. I think that gives you a fuller character because there's times I love Heather and there's times I don't. Totally. I was just worried that the other women would never stand up to her at times, and I feel like we've seen Shannon stand up. That's why Noella is a good exactly. is unfortunately an important character because she's like. I don't buy her shit. Like even so much so that it's like weird. It's like, yo, girl, She's what are you? Things you're that like aren't there sometimes. Yeah, like yo, you're making a weird situation out of this. Like, 
but God bless you. I mean, God, I love it. It's like Heather's like, I thought I was going to come back and be celebrated and I'm still having a hard time, you know? <laughs> it's like, maybe that's because who you are. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being on this. Oh week, my God. Ryan. This went so quick. This is amazing. I mean, this was really such a great conversation. I hope, I hope everybody enjoyed it, but like, thank you so much for asking me back and you got to come back on mine too. I would love to. And we got to hang out in real life. Yes. Is you this said you're real coming, life? You said, you're, you said you're coming in a, in a couple months, right? Yeah. And uh, I think like six weeks I'll be in, in L.A. So we'll have to maybe go to Dorit's room. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, with the, that, the trek over to there. Yeah. Actually, maybe, maybe we won't do the trek. Maybe we'll just do TomTom. <laughs> <laughs> well, TomTom is easy because you have three places you can go. You can go to Sir Pump and TomTom within a two-block radius. So that is always the easiest, the most bang for your buck. The thing with Dorit's room in Buca de Beppo is it's in Encino, which over the hill, you're talking like a 35-minute drive. And then you get there and you realize you're at a Buca de Beppo. And <laughs> it's very exciting to see Dorit's room, but it's out. It's like, that's why, but that's why Dorit's room is so amazing because it makes no sense at all. It makes no sense at all. They didn't even do the Buca de Beppo like over in Hollywood. They did it over in Encino. Right. It's so amazing, you know? I just need to see the place that brought you to tears. <laughs> oh, I mean, believe me, <laughs> he will. Yeah. And I have a goal of also having dinner at Craig's one night because I need to see the By place. By the way, Craig's is right next to Sir. Like, you, right? you, that's all in that same span. Because I, you know, every time I read stories like about the housewives, I feel like it's always starts with a dinner at Craig's. Like, yeah. whether it's Kathy yep. leaving, wearing, you know, the the dining like like she she wasn't even wearing her clothes when she left or when Brandy Glanville was having dinner with Kyle and Kim and Yolanda and sent over fish to Joanna Krupa's table who was also dining at Craig it's like I got yeah, you know the this. funny thing is I've been to Craig's a couple of times now and the food's good like the food is good but it's not like insane it's just right. funny that you know Hollywood will pick a couple spots that that's the place. So you always have TMZ out there. I mean, they just set up shop regardless, just to catch whoever's that night. But that is the place for celebrities to be seen. Like that is the place. And it always cracks me up because it's like, there's so many more interesting restaurants to be at better food, better, right. all of this, but it's just like, some people are just knighted and Craig's is that place where it's the place. There, it's like that in D.C. There is a place called Le Diplomat, and that's actually where Luann got caught not paying her bill oh, at Dining yes, and yes. Dashing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, you'll see uh, Kamala Harris will be there or Joe Biden or Pete Buttigieg and Cheston, like, you know, all of that. But it's like, OK, that's not the only restaurant we have. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So it must be similar to that. Well, Ryan, tell everyone where they can listen to your podcast and find you and all of your social media. Um, yeah, it's just called So Bad It's Good with Ryan Bailey. We do four to five shows a week, way too much free content. But like I always say, you don't have to listen to everything. Just pick and choose what you like. There's recaps, interviews, silly stuff, pop culture roundups. We also have a Patreon where I'm starting Gallery Girls this week, and we do Real Housewives of Miami on there. It's way more content if you need even more. There's like 150 episodes over on that now or something. It's like kind of weird, but you don't have to do it. I know times are tight. And then uh, Instagram is so bad. It's good with Ryan Bailey. And, you know, this goes for Mandy as well is that please leave a five-star review on Apple podcasts and Spotify. Now Spotify is finally doing reviews. It's, uh, such a free, easy way to support your favorite or favorite podcaster or just a podcaster. It doesn't even have to be a favorite. It's like, I, I think one of those things, it's like, 
you know, really be careful on reviews everybody leaves because they really do matter. And, you know, and just make sure it's like an important comment or concern or something and not just, I don't like this person, you know? Yeah. I always tell people that my DMs are open if they have constructive. Oh yeah. I love that. I mean, that's, I mean, honestly, you know, or I tell people, email me, whatever, you know, like I'd rather hash it out with you than you affect my, you know, reviews. I get those make me sad, you know? Totally. Well, thank you for being on so much. And I look forward to hanging out in a few weeks. Yes, we will definitely do that.